Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning. We want to welcome you uh, to Grace Crossing Church. So glad to have all of you with us this morning. We, this morning, come to our final week uh, in our series entitled Recalibrate. Now, I do want to mention for those of you that are with us this morning that have not already done so, please subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel, GCC TV. Uh, you can do it. It's really simple. Uh, just go to YouTube and search GCC TV. Uh, or for those of you that find it easier to do this, you can just type in youtube.com backslash GCC TV. And there you can get access to all of our media, all of our messages, a great chance for when you can't be with us here live and in person. You can join us on our broadcast uh, or our recorded service later in the week if that's more uh, opportune for you. Uh, but it's real simple. It's easy like Sunday morning, friends. So just do it, join us, and be a part of it. We'd love to, to have you there with us. Now, uh, this, before we jump into our final week of this talk and in this series, uh, let me just mention that starting next weekend, we are beginning a brand new series entitled Detour. Um, this is a series that we're building around our new kingdom strategic initiatives here at Grace Crossing Church, discipleship and mission. Um, and let me just say something about detours. Uh, I have found that detours uh, are often frustrating, often uh, are an inconvenience, and, and yet what I've learned is that detours sometimes take us to places that we would otherwise miss or we would dismiss. But if we'll pay attention, we sometimes discover great surprises at the end of a detour. This past week, I was looking for a park that I, I've gone to before, and I was going to take a drive through it, and it was closed. And so I decided, hmm, I'll follow a little bit of a different route. And it led me to a park that I had never seen before. And right at the entrance, posted on the tree at the entrance of the park was this a sign. It said, this is a valley where nothing ever happens, where people simply live, where there is sun and slow peacefulness of day following day. Walk gently and may some of its peace be yours. Sometimes detours surprise us with incredible peace, with things that we would have never imagined being part of. Speaking of imagine, we have been in a two-year journey, a generosity initiative that we've called Imagine. Um, Though we've experienced a slight detour uh, during this because of COVID, we here at Grace Crossing Church are still believing and trusting God for a future that is bigger, that is bolder, and that is brighter. We built this two-year initiative around one verse that we find in Paul's letter that he pens to what I believe is one of his favorite churches, the church at Ephesus. He says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. This morning, before we go to Ephesians, and I want us to keep our finger there, 
and our pulse there because we're going to spend some time in the book of Ephesians this morning. Let me just bring you a very quick but exciting update about Imagine. Uh, Typically, our executive pastor life would be sharing this announcement, but he has been enjoying some vacation time with his family this week. But I am pleased to announce uh, this morning that we have hired a new youth ministry director, uh, and she's going to join our, our staff team on August the, October the 5th. We're really excited to have her on board with us. Her name is Alicia Cross. Don't you love that last name? Alicia Cross. And Alicia will be joining our staff team, and I'm really excited for our middle school and our high school students and the direction of her heart and how she so beautifully aligns with the vision of Grace Crossing Church, with our culture, with where God is leading us, especially with our new KSIs. So please pray for Alicia as she is uh, wrapping up her current job, giving a notice to them, and then she again will be onboarding uh, with us here on October the 5th, and uh, keep us in prayer as well as we together transition into this new ministry. Now, this morning, as we come to this final week of recalibrate, there's one other area that I want us all to recalibrate. I want us to adjust our thinking in. There's no doubt that we have had to adjust many things about the way that we do church these days. Spend our services for a period of time. We continue to have our children's ministry uh, in a pause period. We have had to retool our seating and our greeting. We've had to stop serving coffee and find creative ways to continue to serve each other. We've had to wear masks face coverings, and yet not wear masks, not be fake or phony. So many things that we've had to adjust. We've had to put pause on our congregational singing for a time. So many concessions that we have made, so many adjustments that we have made. I mean, it's fair to say that church as we were used to it is not quite the same today. And so, This morning, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to reimagine church. That's the theme this morning. Reimagine church. So there is a question that I have been prayerfully pondering during this pandemic. And the question that I've been prayerfully pondering is what did God imagine? when God created the church. After all, the church is not our idea. Man did not come up with the idea of church. God was the one who originally designed and dreamed and birthed the church. The question is, what was it that God imagined? What was it God dreamed? What was it God thought about when he thought about the church? And the other question is, am I aligned to God's imagination or do I need some sort of realignment right now when it comes to the idea of church? I've heard from time to time people make the statement that coming to church is hard because it's not what it used to be. It's not what I have come to expect I've heard it suggested that 
Church is hard because we can't do the things that we have always enjoyed doing. Now listen, I get it. I I get it. I understand the sentiment behind those sorts of comments. I understand. But I also want to ask us to reimagine what God thought about when he thought of church. And if we can get that understanding, I think it's going to help us as we move forward in not only reimagining, but I would suggest we are all going to have to, with God's help, re-engineer what the church looks like into the future. That's what God calls us to. And so I want to present to you this morning a different way to think of church, a fresh way, a biblical way. I would say God's way to think of church. So Jesus, when he came, was the one who really began to put words and flesh to the idea of church. He introduces it to us first when he is affirming Peter's revelation of who he was. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And here's how Jesus affirms this, verses 18 and 19. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Let me reread that. I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church, and the inconveniences of COVID will not overcome it. The restrictions of our pandemic will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, what's Jesus imagining here? What's Jesus thinking about? Well, he obviously isn't thinking about a building, is he? In fact, in the first 300 years of Christianity, there were no buildings. And yet the church exponentially grew, probably at its its highest rate during those particular time periods. He was not thinking here about church as a place that I go to get serviced. That's not what he had in mind. What Jesus had in mind was a community of people that would present him and would represent him. Notice the language Jesus uses. The church was to be a kingdom. The church was to have keys, which meant it carried the authority of God. Now that idea of church, that imagination of church being a community of people that both present him and represent him here on the earth is exactly what the apostles begin to advance and establish. They become the pillars upon which the church is established. And throughout the New Testament letters, the apostles, namely Paul the Apostle, who wrote over half of the New Testament, he actually gives us 
this vibrant picture of the church. In nearly all of his letters, Paul actually talks about the church in colorful language. But we find it no more vibrant than in the book of Ephesians, where Paul lays out this beautiful, clear treatise of what God imagined when Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. In fact, smack dab in the middle of the book of Ephesians, eight, six chapters right at the end of chapter three, moving into chapter four. Right after Paul says, God is able to do far more than you ask or imagine. He says this in Ephesians chapter three, verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. The church was, in fact, to be the thing that was far above and beyond all that we could ever imagine, all that we could ever hope for, all that we could ever dream. It was this imagination of the church was to be the thing that was above and beyond all that we imagine, according to the power at work within us. So let me give you today's very simple but very big idea. The church is not for my enjoyment. The church is for God's glory. The church is not for my enjoyment. The church is for God's glory. If we're not careful, what we can do is we can actually put the church among all the things in our life where we find enjoyment. And if it ceases to be a place of enjoyment, we can then dismiss it as being irrelevant, insignificant in our lives. And friends, that is the furthest thing from the truth. And what Paul does is Paul builds this big, beautiful picture of what God imagined when when he founded the church. He begins in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 by saying this, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Four times in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses that statement, made known. Other translations use the word revealed. The question is, what was it that was made known to us? What was it that's being revealed to us? It is the church, or what Paul calls the mystery of God's will. Now, why is it a mystery? It is a mystery because it defies human logic. In fact, I would say it flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Church is a mystery. While the church is a mystery, it is not mysterious. It can be understood, it can be explained, and more importantly, it can be experienced. But the church in many ways is illogical. 
It does not make sense to human reason and human logic. Listen, trusting created beings to participate and do the work of the creator is illogical. It doesn't make sense. And yet, what does God imagine? What is Paul revealing to us? What's he making known to us when it comes to the church? Well, the first thing that God imagined is God imagined a new creation. God imagined a new creation. The church is an earthly glimpse of an eternal reality. It is an an earthly glimpse of an eternal reality. The church is not the remaking of an Old Testament temple. The church is not the replacement for the New Testament synagogue. The church is not an improvement on a Jewish religion. Rather, the church was intended to be, from the very beginning, a brand new creation. Something the world had never seen. Something the world had never experienced. And it was in a city called Antioch where this new entity, this new creation is now beginning to come into formation and it's getting people's attention. In fact, so much so that in Acts chapter 11, we read this. We have Acts chapter 11. It says this that it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Now, when you think of Antioch, think of Yellow Springs. Yeah, that Antioch. You know, Antioch University was established in 1850 by an organization called the Christian Connection. And did you know that it was founded solely on the Bible as its rule of faith and conduct? That's right. This organization known as Antioch that has now four or five different campuses spread throughout the United States of America was actually a Christian university at its inception. But just like Antioch, the university, the New Testament Antioch was a place where Jews and Gentiles were coming together without segregation. It was a place where they were bringing their thoughts, their ideas, their concepts together, and they were kind of becoming a melting pot of sorts. That melting pot of Christians, Christ followers, coming together under the banner of Jesus is getting the attention of everybody, so much so that they're saying, listen, these disciples are really Christ followers. This is something we have never seen before. The church, in God's imagination, was to be a signpost. A signpost that something new had come and been birthed here on this earth. But God did not just imagine a new creation. God imagined a new body. In Jesus the presence of God was carried on the earth. 
when Jesus was crucified and when he was resurrected, his physical being left the earth, but his body remained. Make no mistake about it, friends, the church is an organism. We are a living, breathing organism. We are not an organization. The church was never intended to be an organization. Now, there are organizational principles and practices that, like a business, the church follows. But we are, in God's imagination, a living, breathing organism filled with the very presence of God. I think one of the reasons that many people don't actually see themselves correctly, they don't understand their identity, it's because they forget this point. You are not just a physical body, you are also a spiritual body. And we together make up a brand new body that was to represent and present Jesus to this earth everywhere we go. And in that, in that vein and in that spirit, this body has different parts. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse number 23, Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. The church of Jesus Christ as a body has only one head. Grace Crossing Church has one head pastor, and it isn't me. The head pastor of Grace Crossing Church is Jesus, who came who lived, who died, who gave his life, who was resurrected, and now is the head of the body, and he is the one who we are all under-shepherding under. We are serving under his leadership. I may lead our staff team. I may be our primary communicator, but I am not the head pastor. Jesus is the head pastor. But we also have a body that functions under his headship. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 16, from him, from the head, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Notice what the ultimate purpose of this new body is. It is to mature, it is to become whole, and it is to constantly be building itself up in love. Listen, friends, being one body does not mean we all look alike. But being one body does mean we all love alike. We are all expected to love alike. This body with its diversity of parts, means that we are all going to function different. The body has a head, but, but make no mistake, it has feet that guide it. The body has hands by which it serves. The body has ears by which it hears. The body has eyes by which it sees, discerns, and perceives what God may be up to in the world. The body has a mouth, and we'll get to that in a few moments, but it has a mouth by which it speaks. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, here's the good news. You become a part of the body. For better 
or for worse. The ear cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. What what God makes so clear in Scripture is that as one body, we are actually interconnected and interdependent on one another. We cannot say we don't belong to the body. There may be things we don't like that happen. There may be ways we experience things that are hard for us. Like with COVID, there are inconveniences that we are experiencing as the body. There may be things that are said at times that may that may cause you to feel troubled. Well, listen, just like when you become a citizen of the United States of America, you don't lose your citizenship just because you disagree with something the president does or says. If that were the case, none of us would be citizens, right? Because all, all of our presidents at time are going to do things or say things that are going to get under our skin. It makes us no less citizens. We are still part of the body. We are still part of this country. And as participating parts, listen, friends, we contribute to its health or to its sickness. I've made it my mission here at Grace Crossing Church from the very beginning that church growth was not going to be our big ambition. Church health was going to be our big ambition. We were going to be an emotionally healthy church filled with fully surrendered Christ followers whose hearts are set ablaze to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. But we're putting being before doing. We're putting our emotional health before the activity of our lives. We want to be both contemplative, thoughtful, but we also want to be action-oriented as God leads us. So God envisions and God imagines a new creation. He imagines a new body, but he also imagined a brand new family. He imagined a brand new family. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19, you are not foreigners or guests but rather you are the children with all the rights as family members of the household of God. What was it God imagined when God imagined the church? God imagined an entity that would be multifaceted and multifaced. That would be multi-ethnic and multicultural. From its very inception, the church was intended to be a place that had brothers and sisters in it from every corner of the globe and from every walk of life. That there would be people that would not look like us, but they would be our family nonetheless. He envisioned a big polychrome family of people that are all coming with different shades and colors under one banner. Here at Grace Crossing Church, it's a big value for us. We call it oneness. But but listen, we need to be careful that when we hear the word oneness, we don't think whiteness. 
In other words, we don't think people come and conform to us. No. This was really radical for the early church because there was no other organization on the planet that were gathering people together from different backgrounds, from diverse ethnicities and nationalities who were coming under one banner. They were resisting the temptations. In fact, they were defying the divisions that separated the family here on earth. They were saying, we are going to be a family that is not separated by race, by color, by gender. We're going to be a community of people that gather together and we become one polychrome with different shades and different colors. That's the beautiful imagery. That's the beautiful imagination God had when he said, we are together family members of his kingdom We are now brothers and sisters. And so what Jesus came to bring, what he came to birth, and what the apostles then began and continued to establish that continues to grow today is this radical countercultural welcoming of people from all different walks of life, backgrounds, and ethnicities that are gathering together And they're being welcomed not just to bring their unique ethnicity, but also the cultural traditions by which they understand and serve God. This is so radical that we have yet to get our heads around it fully. We have yet to fully grasp the beauty and the power of the imagination God had. But here at Grace Crossing Church, we will continue to beat the drum for this because we believe this is the church that from the very beginning God imagined. So it's a new creation. It was to be a new body, the body of Jesus, continuing to beat here on this earth. A brand new, diverse, polychrome family. And the final thing is God imagined a new language. A new language. I want you to think about this. In the beginning, God spoke to man. Personally and intimately. At the fall, God then starts to speak in other ways. Mainly through the prophets and through the law. Then Hebrews writes and says, Now, in these latter days, God is speaking now to us through his son, Jesus. So Jesus comes, and he's the direct voice or language of God on the earth. But then he's silenced. And then what happens next? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is poured out on this fledgling, fearful group of disciples The Holy Spirit is poured out and people are gathered from every people group, every nation on the known world, every language is being represented as they're gathering together in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit's poured out. And here's what the Bible says. They hear the disciples speaking the glory of God in a language they could understand. It was profound. Make no mistake about it. The church was intended from the beginning 
to be the unique dialect of God spoken on this earth. Called to be his language. Called to present the words, the wisdom of God to people who it will remain a mystery until the Holy Spirit opens up their hearts and they begin to understand what only God can reveal by his spirit. Ephesians chapter one, verse 23. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Did you catch this? The church is to be the people that speak and act so that God can fill everything for his purpose. When I say we are called to present him and we are called to represent him, I think many times people think about our primary mission on the earth is to bring people to God. That is certainly part of the mission God has given us. But the primary mission that God has given us is that we are to bring God to people. We are to be the ones that are bringing the presence of God to people that are encountering us, that they can taste and see that God is good, that God loves them, that God has their best interest at heart, that God wants to serve them, and that God wants to provide their true identity in who he has created them to be. We are called to be a signpost to the world that something different is here. We have suspended in many ways the things that we've become accustomed to in church. Friends, it's different. I, I get that. But we are no less the church during this pandemic than we were before it began. We are no less who God sees us to be, who God imagined us to be. The only difference is, will we accept and will we live our faith in such a way that we will be the people of God that he has redeemed us, saved us to be? We're not just a signpost, but there's one final thing that we are. One final thing the church does is this mysterious um, entity known as the church, the mystery of God's will, also serves notice to the principalities and powers that cause division in this world. It serves notice that we will no longer participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather we'll expose them. We'll call them out for what they are. Ephesians chapter 3. Verses 10 and 11, his intent, now, now notice his purpose, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The diverse unity of the church has already been accomplished. It's already been accomplished. What's getting in the way are the principalities and powers in this life that continue to cause division and continue to disrupt the unity that God so longs for. 
And what we are called to do is serve notice. To serve notice that we are not part of that. We're not part of that culture. We're not part of that ideology. But rather we believe there's a different way, a better way, a new way, God's way, that says we are invited to be part of his body, his family, his new creation. And every time we come together, friends, under the banner and the name of Jesus, we are actually advancing those truths that we are a new creation, that we form one body, that we make up a diverse family, and that we together are here to bring glory to God. We are here to be the language of God. Before Jesus left the earth, Jesus sat with his disciples and Jesus invited them to one table so they together could be reminded that though he is leaving the earth physically, his presence is leaving, his being is leaving, the body will remain. And every time we come to the table of the Lord, we're affirming. We're affirming what that scripture says. We're affirming that we are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And nothing in this world can ever overcome it. Because God's purpose, his ultimate plan, will be accomplished. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. I long to be part of that. As we prepare our hearts for communion, Taurus is going to come and share, and then we're going to participate together in the bread and the cup. But would you, would you just join me in a brief prayer? And then we'll go to a song. We're going to worship together in our hearts, and then we'll receive communion. Father, thanks so much for your presence. Thanks so much, Lord, today for the peace that you bring to us that you are at work in this life and in this earth. And you're at work, God, in your church and through your church. Your heart continues to beat strongly. And I believe, Lord, what you're doing is you are recalibrating the body of Christ. You're using, God, this time to slow us down, to get us to ponder prayerfully and to reimagine what church was really intended to be. So help us, Lord, I pray. They will understand that our idea of church is not about what we enjoy. It's not about our enjoyment. It's about your glory. And we want to live, God, for your glory on this earth. We are the church wherever we go. Whatever we say, Lord, we represent your kingdom. Help us to be good stewards of the affairs of God here on this earth, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.